Support for our show comes solely from listeners like yourself. If you like what we're doing, help us by sharing the pod on social media and leaving us a five-star review, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Audible. Thanks again for listening, and without further ado, let's start the show. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'm a learning design coach at Pasco County Schools. I'm sticking with my union, especially during this tumultuous time in our state. Our unions give teachers a voice, which allows us to do the most important work of all, giving our students the brightest possible future. Hey guys, welcome back to PCTA's FIRE podcast. As always, I'm Brennan Pickett. I'm the FDA Director and FIRE Co-Chair here at PCTA. I'm Philip Belcastro, FIRE Co-Chair at PCTA. I'm Ramsey Aziz, and I'm currently not on the streets. And I'm Tracy McConnell, and I will be the new Vice President for PCTA, and I'm a third grade teacher for Pinellas County Schools. How long have you been teaching there, Tracy? I have been teaching at Pinellas Central Elementary for 18 years. Very nice, very nice. So we're here today to kind of... I guess, grill Tracy on what elementary schools look like. Tell us about the schools, right? (laughs) Um, We're here talking mostly about standardized testing. This is the second part of our testing series, and we're looking closely into elementary schools since you pretty much get the high school perspective here on a daily basis. So I have some talking points to get started with, and we're looking at the first one here, which is what is the role of standardized testing in elementary schools, especially with the new rollout of FAST? And just so the audience is aware, FAST is the new testing here in Florida, which stands for Florida Assessment of Student Thinking. Prior to this, it was known as FSA. And prior to the FSA, it was known as the FCAT. And when I was in school, I took that FCAT. For me, I graduated high school not too long ago, and I took the FCAT and the FSA when the FSA was first coming out. So this FAST stuff is also extremely new to me. So this is the first year that we have taken FAST. We take it three times a year, which is different from FSA because FSA was only given once a year at the very end of the year. They took it like right when they came to school and then they took it in like December-ish and now they're going to take it again. This year, our class is taking it May 4th. I believe the idea is that it's called progress monitoring. They're using it for progress monitoring. For third grade, the kids all have to reach a certain score on FAST or else it is a mandatory retention really? for, re- wow. for the reading okay. for the reading portion. They do have things that are in place for students, like they call them their like portfolio checks so they can show like progress other ways. But if the kids aren't meeting the progress that way, then they will automatically be retained. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what progress monitoring is and why we do it? All of the kids by the end of the year are supposed to be able to show a year's worth of growth by the time that they get through. The only thing though is they do the progress monitoring to make sure that the students are making progress. But if you have students that come to you at a much lower level, they may make more than a year's worth of growth, maybe even two years worth of growth, but that may not be enough to move them to the next grade level. So like in third grade, if you have students that have like learning disabilities, they may essentially come to you reading at like a kindergarten or a first grade level. But by the time that they are done with third grade, at the end of that school year, they may really only be reading at a beginning of a third grade level. 
So when they take fast, they're not able to pass fast. So if that happens, despite the fact that they have gained two years worth of progress in one year, they'll be retained according to the state law. It's just not enough. I feel like what we're seeing here at the high school level is like a compression of that because we get kids from from all over the city and some of them are at like an extremely low levels. Like some of our students who are ESE are in like elementary school levels of reading, you know, have never once passed the FSA or any reading exam for the grade level that they're at. And because of that compression, we're moving them on. Like, yes, they have made progress, but now you have a 17 year old who now reads at a fourth grade level instead of the second grade level when they came here. Technically, yes, it's progress. We have monitor it, but it doesn't really help anybody. With this retention, are they indefinitely retained every single year? They cannot pass that? Or is there a point, there's like a breaking point almost where eventually they do get pushed along? I'm going to tell you something. So like whenever I first started teaching, kids could be retained in third grade for three years. So I know of one kid in particular that was at my school that did third grade three times. And do you know what? At the end of that third year, he still didn't pass FCAT. Was he like 15 now? (laughs) Well, so we kind of joke around about that. Like when the kids have been held back so long, like what are they going to be like driving to middle school? But the thing is, is that We spend so much time testing students and preparing them to test. I don't really feel like we're doing a whole lot of teaching sometimes. Right. I was going to ask you, because I know in our classrooms, the kids get pulled out so often for testing that like they miss almost entire units because our kids really aren't ours for the whole day because they rotate through like seven periods. How does how do you see that in the elementary level where you, you do kind of have them almost all day? So I do like I have my students pretty much for the whole day unless they are going to like music, art, or PE. Whenever we do fast, it was supposed to be a time test. And we were told it was over an hour that they were going to be testing for. The day before that we were supposed to test, we got like a, here's a edit to the directions, right? (laughs) And all of a sudden, it was like you were reading one set of directions, telling them that they were going to have timed. And then you got to a certain point in the directions where all of a sudden it was like, wait a second, it's not timed. So it went from- no time limit. There's no time limit. Wow. So what was happening? Not fast at all. (laughs) No, no, no. Fast is really not fast. We will be testing all day long for fast. Like they hours of testing. And the best part is is, the best part is instead of one test a year, it's now three tests a year. And you want to say that really it's only three tests a year, but they do three tests for reading. They do three tests for math. Then because we have portfolios that have to show that the kids have made progress just in case they don't pass fast. We then test them every month or so, like every for every module that we do, there's a big test that they can get pretty much as long as they need, which is like the entire reading block, which is 90 minutes. But if you have ESC, then they get double that time or whatever their accommodations say. So what really winds up happening is you're now losing tons of instruction time all for testing. And that's why like I have spoken at the school board before about testing for third grade. And I will say like, I completely understand why we have to do the portfolio assessments. What I don't understand is why the district has benchmark assessments for math. Those are all three times a year. Are you telling me that you need another test besides the math test that we just took for fast that goes over the same standards? Like, I don't understand that. You got to get that data, Tracy. (laughs) 
Do you give your own assessments? Like, do you give tests and quizzes also? Well, or like we're getting we're getting formative assessments. We're we're getting well, all this stuff. So that's the thing. Like, what I'll do for my day is I would teach my lesson, and then I might give them a couple of problems that would be an exit ticket that they could do in their journal, and then I can literally go around and look at their journal right. and tell exactly how they're doing. Or sometimes, like when I'm teaching, I'll have the kids working on whiteboards and then just hold it up, and I'll give them like thumbs up, thumbs down. Down. We'll discuss, share out why you think that's right. What can we do to make this wrong one right whenever you're teaching? But when we spend so much time testing, we don't ever get to that. So like they have these benchmark assessments for math, right? Mm -hmm. The very first benchmark assessment that we took, took my class, my ESC students, it was 20 questions. It took us four days. <laughs> And I think I can bring that back to high school wow. real fast. We used to have this thing called the bright score for, you know, I yeah. think they had bright score in elementary school as well. Yeah. In a high school, middle school setting, right? You get 45 to 47 minutes here to give this assessment. And because it's such a short window in an English class, in an ELA class, this ends up taking the entire week and every day the kids would get lost getting to the media center to get yeah. in front of a computer and they would be writing this essay for a week so that's a week of instruction i would lose in an english classroom i can only imagine what it's like at the elementary school level where you have to spend days days doing yes. these tests and the best part is like i said my students are esc they're struggling they're coming from like kindergarten first grade the test is testing them on a third grade. Do you think they're going to be successful? So what I just did is I wasted four days of instruction that I could have used to help fill in learning gaps exactly. to test to only find out that, surprise, they can't do the work. Yeah. Maybe they could have if they were in the classroom for those four days. <laughs> You are listening to PCTA's Fire Podcast. I'm here today with Philip Castro, Ramsey Aziz, and Tracy McConnell. And we are here talking about standardized testing in the elementary school setting. So to clarify, you, your students, third graders, are taking your own assessments that Tracy writes for quizzes and tests and projects and all that stuff, plus district assessments that Pinellas tells us we need to do to collect that sweet, sweet, tasty data, plus the state assessments, like the FAST stuff that, again, is collecting sweet, sweet, tasty data nectar. Mm. So these kids are being... <laughs> These kids that was sus. are being completely <laughs> obliviated in like in just assessments. And they're I mean, they're taking so much time away from instruction. I mean, that's that seems like it's across the board, high school and elementary. Well, stop right there, Philadelphia Castro, because I have a follow up question here. So, Tracy, from your experience, what are the social and emotional effects testing has on your students? Your what grade do you teach again? I teach third grade. Third grade. And how might this play a greater role in creating apathy in education as students get older? Us as high school teachers, I think we know what apathy looks like. Yeah. And we just did a whole episode on that. Mm -hmm. You get to see it develop firsthand. Like I said, I've been doing this for 18 years. One of my very first job teaching was actually as a long-term sub in Pasco County. Oh, what, what, what schools did you work at? I worked at Calusa. Okay. elementary school and i taught third grade there which was also mandatory retention my very first year of teaching and there was a little kid there he would not try he literally was like i'm not doing this he christmas treated i remember i started there in february and right from the bat he's christmas treating this test and i was like dude you need to stop like you're this you understand like you're gonna be retained i don't care we showed him. He took third grade again. <laughs> he right. did. That's exactly what happened <laughs> And now he's in our classroom, still at a third grade level. 
Um, And then once I started working in Pinellas, I remember we were doing FCAT and I had a kid that wasn't, they called me and the kid would not, the parents were calling me from the parking lot. Can you please come down and get our daughter out of the car? Like she's crying and she won't come out for the test. She was so afraid to test because she didn't want to fail the test that she was bawling. So I had to get another teacher to watch my class so that I could go downstairs and talk her out and get her upstairs to test. And it was like step by step by step just to get her to be able to sit in front of the test. And this is an eight-year-old, but I mean, we can speak on that. We see this kind of stuff still in high school. It's not just an elementary school thing. This goes all the way up until graduation. I remember, um, I think it was my first year teaching. I had to proctor the EOCs, which is an end of course exam from the district. And uh, I was sitting in the media center and the room's full of kids all on the computer to take like a U.S. history EOC or something. Our instructions from the AP was like, make sure that they're taking it. Make sure that they're not putting their head down and going to sleep, blah, blah, blah. And in my head, I'm thinking, I don't really know if I need to tell a 17 year old that you have to take a test to in order like you need this test to graduate and you should take it apparently i must inform these students who are in school that they have to finish school but anyway they do put their heads down and uh, it happened to be that i was sitting right next to one of my own students and he did exactly that he put his head down i go off i go over to him and i said hey man you gotta you gotta wake up and finish this test he gives me a dirty look immediately clicks through every question like right in front of me and says there are you happy i'm like <gasps> uh not no. I'm sort of not necessarily, but also I can't stop you from doing that. So yeah. I, re- I remember oh when recently we did the SAT, when we were proctoring SAT, me and Bel Castro, uh, so many of our students were putting their heads down and whatnot in the room. And I'm just like, guys, you guys are getting the SAT for free. This might be your chance to find out where you, you're at. And a lot of the kids just did not care at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a bunch of kids who, who were there looking absolutely miserable that they were taking another test. Yeah. And this is the only one that really matters for getting into college. Whereas all these other exams are like, some of them matter, like the end of course exams, but some of them seem really meaningless. I think I went on this tangent a while ago about how these kids just, they they don't care. They don't value their education. I personally believe that these tests play a critical role in what is driving these kids to just not care about their education. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, I will tell you something. I remember still to this day, my daughter, when she was in second grade, came home one day and, and she just starts crying. And I was like, what's the matter? And she said she was, didn't want to disappoint her teacher. And I was like, I'm sure you're not disappointing your teacher. What's the matter? And she was like, well, we took this math test today and I couldn't solve every problem two ways. She was taught to like, that was a way to check her work. But she was so worried and so oh, afraid wow. that she did poorly on this test and she didn't want to disappoint her teacher that she was bawling her eyes out. And wow. I was like, I'm sure that you're not a disappointment to your teacher. Like you were trying your best and she did well on that test, but things happen. And, you know, teachers are under a lot of pressure because, you know, you want your class to do well. You remember like our test scores affect our end of the year rating. Some teachers that helps determine their salaries. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pressure involved in that. And kids wind up, being put under a lot of pressure because of that. And so it's just unfortunate. So like we now have kids in elementary school that are getting like 504 plans for anxiety 
because of testing. When we talk about standardized testing and SATs and stuff in my classroom, kind of getting them getting them ready, doing a little bit of prep, kind of telling them what the day is going to look like ahead of time. I always share with my students uh, one of my standardized testing stories. And I, I think I've told you guys all this before. But when I took my general knowledge test to get my teaching certification, which is kind of like SAT, GRE type style, it's a big four hour long test. I always tell them that this test is not an indicator of, of how good you are at school. It's not an indicator of how smart you are. It's an indicator of how good you are at testing. And when I took the, the general knowledge test to become an English teacher, I said, you know, the only section that I failed and had to retake again was the reading portion because it's like a four hour long test. My mind was wiped. I had done all that math. I had done all that, that reading and writing already. And the only, the last thing that I had to do was, was that reading comprehension part and I just wiped out on it because I was exhausted. And I said, and it's literally the only thing that I'm good at. It's literally my job. It's the one thing I do every day is reading. And that was the section I had to retake. And reading tests to me are just so bizarre because reading is subjective. What we get from books, from texts, we identify with tone, theme, mm-hmm. right? That's all subjective. You, the person, are supposed to do this thing called critically think right. and come up with your own conclusion based off the text evidence. That's why I love writing. Yeah. But you take these reading tests. It's like, no, 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 this is the state said this is the answer. Yeah. So you must collect, you must select this answer in order to get your diploma. <laughs> to uh, to the credit of the ACE program, ACE very much is about defending your position on a reading. It's all about argument, uh, arguing. Um, so I, I really enjoy the ACE curriculum for that. And by comparison, the, the online program that Pinellas uses, Albert I.O., there have been uh, questions that students would ask about about certain problems and questions, and we'd put it up on the board, and I wholesale disagree with whatever the correct answer is labeled as. I said that this this should be a mistake. I would I would give you credit for your answer because what they put on the as the correct answer doesn't really make much sense. Well, I think in your classroom when you do the the Albert IOs with yeah. your students, right? You go over the answers with them and you talk about what you would select, and then you get surprised sometimes yourself. Don't That's you? exactly what happens. Yeah, I call I call it the uh, the Ken Bel Bel Castro passes own class tests because sometimes <laughs> the so the Albert IOs are just worded so strangely, so bizarrely, and again because of the testing anxiety that all students have. I frame it as this is these are test taking strategies. We're doing it right now where the stakes are low because when you're sitting in front of the SATs or whatever it is, I cannot help you. So we're just going. This is test taking strategies. This is not an indicator of how smart you are, how good you are at English. You are listening to PCTA's Fire Podcast. I'm here today with Tracy McConnell, Ramsey Aziz and Philip Bell Castro talking about standardized testing in the elementary school setting. Is this an effective means to educate young people? children. How useful do we find the data we collect from testing? As Tracy had mentioned earlier, we're swimming in data. Sweet, sweet, Mm. succulent data. And is this process of collecting data worth the stress and anxiety for our children? So So I kind of feel like I definitely want some data on my students, but I'm wondering, well, not even wondering, like I know that there is a lot of data that I can get just from giving my students like running record assessments that's done like one-on-one for reading, I can see where their strengths and weaknesses are. I do understand like the idea of progress monitoring with like FAST or like MAP. I know like, um, so MAP assessment was a computer-based test that Pinellas County used last year that was very much similar to FAST 
Only what was really good about that was we gave it also three times a year. But once you got the data, you could go into the map system and you could see exactly where your kids were and what they were ready for. They had things in place with that assessment also where like if a kid started guessing randomly, it would shut it down. Mm, So that way you knew oh, you know what, like this kid, a little sloth would come up on the screen whenever they were, (laughs) I swear to you, this sloth would come out if they were random guessing and it would shut it down, like if they did so much. Wait, this sloth would go up to the screen and just click the X? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like the screen would like lock out and there'd be a sloth there holding a little stop. It was actually sloth from the Goonies. (laughs) Hey, you guys. But like in elementary school, when we give fast, you can see like, when they're taking the test, like how long they're taking on questions. Oh, yeah, we can see that. Oh, can you? So, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, oh, like yeah. if they're guessing. Oh, yeah. Because I've gone over to students like you're going too fast. Like right. there's no way you're reading it that fast. I can't read it that fast. <laughs> right. In a way, it's like I think that because they give so many assessments. Mm-hmm. Sure. Give it once. I'm even like give it once at the beginning and once at the end. Right. But we test them all the time. So because we're testing them all the time. Are they really even attempt? Are they really focusing? Are they really trying? Or are we really just wasting our time? Like, I would rather be teaching. Are they really learning? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that, we're testing. That's my thing. Like, I have a lot of students in my AP classes who are getting pulled out to take these types of exams, fast, end of course exams, whatever. And so they're missing a lot of my lecture. And we have an exam as well. Unlike fast or end of course exams, my exam can determine whether or not my student will get uh, a college credit. So for me, I look at this exam and I think it's so vital for them to be in the classroom learning because this could mean the difference between saving money or having to retake the exact same class when they go to college, if they decide to go to college, but they're getting pulled out to take the FAST exam. For me, I think it's ridiculous uh, that they're being tested so much. And because of it, they all think it's meaningless. They don't study for the FAST exam. They don't study necessarily for a lot of these end of courses exams. They kind of just go in there and if they know stuff, they'll be fine. If they don't know stuff, they're in trouble, which I don't know, it frustrates me uh, immensely because I have a lot of my kids, they're incredibly smart. By doing interacting in the classroom, I can tell, yeah, they know how to do stuff. They just don't know how to take a test. So I don't know, I think these exams are not really helpful or beneficial for learning in in this environment. And our objective is not just to teach, but for learning to be taking place. And I don't think that's what's happening with all these exams taking place. Um, I teach Summer Bridge also during the summer, and I will teach Summer Bridge this year, just like I did last year, to the retained third graders in Summer Bridge. They have testing opportunities so that they can take portfolio tests to possibly go on to fourth grade. What I will spend my four weeks in Summer Bridge teaching them is basically how to take a test. We will do test prep after test prep after test prep, and I tell them right from the start, we need to get 70%. And as they do them, I look to see which kind of questions are they missing, why are they missing them, and then I teach them how to look for them, what to do to get it right. Really, I could spend those four weeks teaching reading skills that might help boost them and it would help them learn more, but it may not help them get to fourth grade where the testing strategies 
might. Everything Aziz said, everything you just said reminds me of kind of one of my own personal refrains. And I feel like I'm, I sound like a, like Chicken Little or something ringing the alarm bells here. But at least in Florida, it feels a lot like they're trying to replace us with automation, with these, with these automated programs. Because if these kids are just being just pulled down by the teacher's own assessments, right? Your own quizzes and tests, which is part of our job, district assessments, state assessments, you know, whatever it is, how much autonomy is that taking away from us? We're supposed to be the experts. We're supposed to be the one that knows, you know, this kid, he is a slow reader or whatever, or this girl right here, you know, she knows what she's doing. She just doesn't like taking exams, right? So we're we're supposed to be in charge of our classrooms and know, know our students. But with all of this data collection, it's taking that out of our hands. And that's, that's what frustrates and scares me because we're moving so hard towards uh, making these kids just just points on a chart and points on a graph and saying, well, they're they're in the red for this standard, but they're in the green for this one. And this one needs extra time and blah, blah, blah. You're you're sort of um, uh, quantifying everything about school, which is exactly what Aziz was just saying is not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be making curious people. We're supposed to be building optimism. We're supposed to be making kids who want to learn and not just always pinpointing their weaknesses, always, you know, commodifying their their intellectualism. It's it's crazy. So are you saying that the state is trying to make a brave new world situation where they're just trying to create alphas and uh, what what is it? Alphas, deltas, betas, that type of thing. Like <laughs> only alphas and chads. Only alphas and chads. <laughs> and sigmas. And sigmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this: You're talking about red on this standard, green on this standard. If kids are going through and they're random guessing, they could be green on this standard this time, right. but next time they're red on I the know. same standard they were green on. And not only that, like you guys. I mean, maybe the way that your data is collected is different from ours. What The way that our data is collected after all of this fast and write score and all this other stuff, that's not my own assessments. My own assessments is you write a paper and I read your own words and I can talk with you as a human being, right? But all of these data points, they're collected for us by the district and then... Uh, the way that I've seen them pick it, maybe it's the same for you, is like these massive PDF dumps that are just alphabetized of every student in that grade. And we're instructed to, you just figure it out. We're not going to tell you how to read this. We're not going to tell you how to use this. And you have to find every individual student, all 200 of your students, just by just by name. Forget it's, about it. No. And this is just compared to what they actually teach you in teaching school. You, did you go to school for teaching? I did. So in, in, in good old-fashioned teaching school, right, <laughs> with, the, with they teach us how to teach, there is such things as formal and informal assessment and these are the things that tracy was mentioning earlier of holding up the whiteboard let's mm -hmm. see who got the correct answer you can give on the spot feedback and correct them what this standardized testing does though is it takes that away from the teacher and it just focuses on these numbers on a pdf right. chart and we are, we're supposed to read that instead of actually correcting student mistakes right on the spot of course they're they're scoring poorly in certain areas because the day we went over that was a day they were pulled out for a different test or a makeup of something or they were legitimately sick that day we get these emails it's like a list a long list of names of kids that we need to hunt down through the entire school who must be tested for various things eocs fsa remakes and you know in big letters at the or you know big letters at the end it says we must have 90 percent or whatever it is and and i look at the list of the names and I'm, and I'm thinking you will never see this child this child is in the wind they have never been to school and you good luck tracking this individual down 
Yeah, I had, I had instances where I would look at that list and I'm like, this student dropped out. I know they dropped out. Yeah. So why is this kid still on the list? You know, or I'll look and I'll and I'll see another student who I'm like, oh, they've never been to my class this right. entire semester. <laughs> like, good luck. There's one name that's always on the list. Um, and I look at it and this kid, like, second day of school asked me to come out to the hallway to chat with him real quick and i said yeah sure whatever and he told me in no uncertain terms he said listen i i like you i think you're a good teacher and it's not against you but i will never be in this class ever again and i was like what and he's like yeah no it's i'm not mad at you i think you're a cool guy just i will never come to this school ever again and i was like uh and he's just got in his car and drove away which i imagine is a problem you probably don't have in third grade no, nobody's driving away. But I will tell you that sometimes they melt down and they run and they run out of the room and they run out of the classroom. And then somebody's got to go try to get them and corral them and get them to come back. So they can't drive away, but they do try to run away. And unlike your students who have unlimited time taking these tests, we are unfortunately out of time. So we're going to take a short break and when we get back, we're going to do our base award. But guys. I have a 504. We need more time. We'll be right back. My IEP says I have double time. Are you concerned about recent book bannings and the erasure of diverse experiences in literature and history? On May 6th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., the Unitarian Universalists of Clearwater will be hosting a Band and Challenge book giveaway. They believe in the inherent dignity and worth of every individual and oppose any effort to suppress or erase diverse populations. This free book distribution is open to all young people of all ages with children under 16 accompanied by a parent or a guardian. Attendees may select two free books from their collection of banned or challenged literature and take it home. This event's located at the Unitarian Universalist of Clearwater Campus, located at 2470 Nursery Road over here in Clearwater, Florida. If you happen to be in Pinellas County, guys, swing by and show support for our communities. Mark it on your calendar. We hope to see you there. Hello there. If you support the podcast, you can now donate directly to us from the link in the description. You can donate 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 monthly. Your donation can help get me, Aziz, off the streets. Well, unfortunately, Aziz will always be on the streets. He yearns for the streets. But your support will go towards producing high-quality episodes just like the one you're listening to right now. Your support helps us keep gas in the tank, food on our tables, and our classrooms full of pencils and paper. We all know edumacators all over America are undervalued and underpaid. Help us, mooks like me, continue to bring recognition and a voice to education professionals. And we're back. So, we're going to begin our based awards, and for our listeners, the based award is something that is agreeable, or respectable, or, my definition, I just want to hear something positive. So, I'm going to start us off, and this was just sent to me as we were recording, and I've been teaching this student for three years. I met her as a freshman who just did not care about school, and for the first semester, she was completely checked out, and something had happened where we had had one conversation at the end of the first semester, and since that day, she just cares about my class, and I've been fortunate of having a student in my classroom for English 1, English 2, and now she's in AP Lang. I guarantee she's going to pass the exam. 
Um, she is a rock star. She is a part of a program at my school called 3DE, which I don't need to go into that too much. But basically, it's a business program where kids can experiment with business ideas and pitch ideas and learn business strategies from different corporations. Anyway, she went to this, um, I guess we can call it a contest, a competition where she was trying to sell her business idea. And she was just quoted in the St. Pete Catalyst talking about the program and talking about her business. And she says, and I quote, when I came into it, I didn't really know any business skills or how I would create a program like this. And they really taught us throughout the years that we could make anything possible if we put our minds to it. Huh. That's, that is extremely based. And that is based. That, well, I can reach a few of these kids, not all of them. <laughs> and that's my based award. Very based. Very based. Uh, I think my based award. So I've been out for the last two days. I was My stomach was hurting. <laughs> my head was hurting. I was not doing well. Since Sunday, so I had to miss Monday and Tuesday. On Tuesday, I was at home trying to like recover from, I don't know what, what was going on with me. In order to recover, I was like, okay, you know what? Let me do something that I haven't done in a long time. Let me get back into the Lord of the Rings. So I've been playing the video games a lot recently, like the Shadow of War. I'm not gonna go into details about it, but I've, I've been playing the video games for the Lord of the Rings, but I'm like, let me actually watch the movies. It's been a long time, probably since I was a senior in high school, since I've seen all the the original trilogy. You're watched supposed to adult. watch all three movies on Christmas. That's like a Christmas tradition. I watch all three movies every year. Yeah. No, I, not me. Like, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, it, it comes in and out of my memory. like. You guys, uh, like Mr. Donegan, uh, Belcastro, Pickett, all of you guys are super into it. So I'm like, oh, okay, it kind of got me back into it. So I watched all three of the movies that, and the extended versions. So they're all like four hours long. The so true, I spent, the the true tr- versions. The true versions. So I, I, saw, I just spent all of uh, Tuesday, 12 hours, just watching all of the movies. And now I'm crap. like, let me, wa- let me read the books now. <laughs> <laughs> and you should read the books. That's the one who just finished the trilogy. It's life-changing. We live by the word of Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, for anybody listening, I did the audiobooks. I'm a huge fan of audiobooks, so I, I, I always recommend those, especially those. Those are very long books. Yeah. So. yeah. My base award actually goes to my mom, and I know my mom sometimes listens to the podcast, so hi, Mom. Uh, you are very based because our, our most recent conversation over the phone, um, she seems to be having a great time since she moved up to Georgia. So my mom uh, moved out of Orlando not that long ago, a month ago, two months ago. We, were, we had a thing about it on the, on the show. At yeah, we talked about it once yeah. before. So she, she just left Orlando. Orlando um, <laughs> Orlando is a, is a, I've never seen a more wretched hive of scum and villainy, but um, it's, it's just extremely crowded. It is not the place we moved to 20 years ago. It's just, there's way too much traffic. Uh, it's just it's just crazy over there. So where she lives had just become pretty pretty overdeveloped, um, and she didn't really have you know the type of social life that she has now up in Georgia. And she was telling me that she you know had dinner with uh, with my sister and some friends, and now she gets to hang out with the grandkids, and she's gonna go see Billy Idol, uh, you know eighties. 80s pop icon and um she just genuinely sounds happier over the phone having left orlando so i think i think that's very nice you know so yeah. she's got a she's in a, a, a better mental state right now i think having more most more social uh acclimation i guess you know my mom's a bit older she's like 70 something but um yeah mom you're very based don't tell very your mom's based. age on the air what's wrong with you what <laughs> <laughs> 
that 70 something she could be 70 minus 20 you don't know she's 25 well okay. you aziz you've met my mom yes yeah and she, she is extremely based does she seem <laughs> does she seem like a 70 year old person she's like my grandma she's got like she, punk rock hair and she so my grandma is crazy and she like parties <laughs> and stuff but a venezuelan hispanic grandma in miami you know so seeing your grandma i'm like okay so you know, mom, it's not just my grandma. <laughs> your mom. Oh wow. My, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you saw my grandma, you're seeing spirits. No, the thing is, the, <laughs> no, my my bad, my bad. It's just because like your 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 mom and my grandma are like the same age. Because remember, that's we're like a ten year. Yeah. There's like a over a ten year difference between our ages. So that's yeah. why I'm like, I'm like, oh no. But yeah. it's very. They're they're very similar. Just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never. I mean, I. I apologize. <laughs> sorry, mom. sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. You're based. Aziz is not for what for his crimes. <laughs> okay, and so my base to word is I have students in my classroom that have learning disabilities, and one of my students that came to me at the beginning of the year was reading at a kindergarten level, and he is now currently at an end of second grade level. And today, when I was tutoring him. He was very sad that tutoring was over because he was having so much fun reading his book. So he has made tons of progress this year, and I am very proud of him. You know, maybe if the testing god see so, maybe he will pass his test and go to fourth grade. Yeah. Do you remember what book it was? Um, It was one that was in a series for LLI, which is an intensive reading program. But it had to do with this little duck that couldn't sing. The duck, or no, what was it? The, yeah, the duck couldn't sing. All he could do was quack, and the birds sang. And he kept going to the birds, like, I want to sing, and he couldn't. But he was just laughing, and, you know, yeah. and he was just like, I want to keep reading. I like this book. It's fun. So there wasn't a single gay duck in that book? No. <laughs> Come on. Nope, sorry. No gay ducks. These ducks are too woke. Are the ducks supportive of teachers? Are these the same ducks that we yeah. uh, that we were uh, at the protest? The these are the duck. ducks that we were screaming at during the rally, yeah. yeah the oh, rally. wow. We were able to, we were able to I'm show glad them away. To, I'm glad to see that the, uh, the we really made an impact on those ducks, that they wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, guys... Thank you again for listening to PCTA's Fire Podcast. As always, I'm Brennan. I'm Philip. I'm Ramsey. And I'm Tracy. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Peace, quack. peace. Quack, quack. Quack, quack.